Hi guys, just a little disclaimer before this show, we have run into another little technical issue this week that we did not discover until after it was all recorded. There are a few pops and crackles on the tracks, um, and when I say a few, I mean an infinite number throughout the podcast, and uh, we came to listen back to it, and they were on there, however, they were not on there when we were recording, so the, the fallback that we were hearing whilst recording was absolutely fine, and then we come and listen to it, and it's all <coughs> gargly. We almost pulled the episode and said, oh, we can't put that out. However, we did enjoy recording this one with George because it's been a while since he's been on. And also, you know, I listen to some podcasts where they've got like people Skyping in and you've got lag on the uh, the other end of the, the internet connection. So you can't hear the, some of their words or they're recorded on a Blue Yeti microphone in the middle of the room. Like, for example, certain very high-profile film podcasts I listen to, and it all distorts, and you just think, this is professional, but it's all a bit ramshackle. So we just thought, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just put it out. I apologize if it's uncomfortable listening. Hopefully you get used to it as you listen to the rest of the show. Um, But please enjoy the podcast. Sorry again. Just try and enjoy it. Check the episode number. Don't want to do that again. Welcome to episode 40 of Who the Fuck is Delia, the podcast that uncovers the plight of the creative. Shitting all over my... Speaking of... What's he got to do with it? Is he 40? Yes, yeah. (laughs) Happy birthday. Um, It uncovers the plight of the creative who might not just yet be so successful that they are banned in China. Oh, that was a great one. You well enjoy done. that one, yeah. That was really good. Topical, isn't it? It is topical. Yeah, what this, George? No. South Park did a, like, just a big, like, fuck China episode. Oh, okay. They, they did an episode about being banned in China, and now they're banned in China. <laughs> <laughs> the irony is that they'll never see that episode. And also, that they just don't care, do they? No. <laughs> the guys from South Park just don't give a shit. <laughs> Like, it's so funny. The, you know, they had in the episode all like, you know, the Marvel people and Disney, you know, basically anything, everything Disney going to China. Mm-hmm. And um, Randy goes to China as well. And it's, obviously they're just saying like... Is it like the latest China episode? I think uh, mm-hmm. maybe not the latest, the one before that, but uh, it's pretty recent. I'll have to watch it's it. So they're just good. smashing it, aren't they? They just don't give a shit. Yeah. Um, this week I'm joined by Michelle Harris. Hello. My name's Alex, and that lovely sultry voice that you hear is, in fact, George Coleman this week. <laughs> yeah, I'm back, baby. <laughs> when was the last time you were on, George? I can't remember. I don't know, when I was pre-Nam. Pre-Nam, yeah. <laughs> when I was 39. <laughs> the world, yeah. The world is a different place. Uh, but George isn't here this week as a usual contributor to the podcast because this week is all about George. Oh no. George the Coleman Coleman, which is how you're known. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody says that on the streets. Yeah, yeah. So George, tell us about your coal picking roots. You know nothing about them, do you? Well, so your family will have been coal men at some point, right? Well, the word, I think, yeah, Coleman... Yeah, the the history of the name I think is cult, like men of coal. Yeah, but then so, it's not spelled like mind. coal, is it? No, but my yeah, it is. How do you spell coal? C O L E M A N and coal is C O A L, isn't it? Uh, yeah. But we've done origin stories. <laughs> well, of, of all name, three my, of us, my but, name's pretty grafty because George is Greek for earth worker. Is it? So yeah, this was a Greek name for it. So I'm like a what man. What are you doing playing drums? You should be out there 
working the earth, coal mining. I mean, just trying to play the earth song, aren't I? <laughs> That's the end. <laughs> climbing the ladder. And, and then I'll just evaporate. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're, we're going <laughs> to... We're going to do... We've done, like I said, we've done origin stories for each person. Or like attempted to start picking at the roots. We yeah. didn't get through much in any of them. What do you mean like origins? Like how well, it all you know, began? We, we talked to T about what he does. Yeah. Talked to Shell about what she does. Talked to me about what I do and how we got there. And we're going to talk to you about... You, wanna go, you know, the, the listener wants to know the band as well. Yeah, that's true. We assume. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what happens when you assume? You get... You make you get it. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you assume it, you get it. It's probably yeah. right. <laughs> so for those who don't know, and if you don't know, and you're a regular listener to the podcast, I don't understand what you've been doing, but George is, is a drumist. He hits drums. A drumist? A That's drumist. interesting. Yeah. Sound like my dad when I said that then. Um, you are the drummer for Delia and other bands. Yeah? Used, used to be, yeah. Used to be. You've, we, I've just, played in a fair amount of bands in my life. Just sorting you out for with samples for another band that you oh, play yeah, drums for. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, and that, yeah. And you said on uh, that when we were shooting a video this coming Friday with Sketch that you have to get off because you got another gig with another band on Friday. Well, like no, like oh no, on the yeah. Uh, so you play um, with? Yeah, I do people. a lot of stuff. Yeah, I'm being modest. You were. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what modest people say, isn't it? Yeah. I'm, being <laughs> oh, I'm just being modest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the classic sign of modesty. Yeah. If that's just a word. Ad- admitting it. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're like, oh, I'm not the best drummer in the world. I- I'm being modest. <laughs> um, but we always talk about, you know, when we talk about what's Jack going to do when he's finished with the drums? Yeah. We always talk about how stupid it is that his grandparents say that because he is just buying, like, by and large, a drummer. Not even by and large, sorry. Like, almost all-encompassing. Yeah. His, his personality is, and his persona is that he's a drummer. Mm. Mm. I would say the same for you. Yeah. It's that a drummer yeah. thing. Um, the drummer's just own well, it. Bit, a bit mad, though, aren't we all? You have a reputation, don't you? I guess so. Is that a bit, of an, is that a bit old hat, or is that still true? Mm. But I feel like it's not just... I feel like a lot of drummers are, like... Are like th- th- their goal, their end goal is drums. Do you know what I mean? Like, okay. very rarely do you get a drummer who's like uh, multifaceted. You know, mm. who, who like you can think picks of, up a bit of this I mean, and picks the, up a bit of that. I it's can like think of just, a couple though. Oh, can you? Yeah, no. you yeah. get you get some drummers who are MDs. And, I don't, but I know, I, yeah, I know, I, don't, I know what you're getting at. I know what you're saying. Yeah, like not all of them are Peter Gabriel. You know what I mean? None of them just switch mm. to being front men. It's Peter Gabriel. No. That's Phil Collins, isn't it? Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> Phil Collins. Yeah. No, because I was going to say the two that came to not them all of them are Peter Gabriels, <laughs> not drummers. <laughs> No, but the first two that came to mind was probably Phil Collins and Dave Grohl. Mm-hmm. Mm. That would have, have, you know, obviously had different careers. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> if those bands wouldn't have split up, then they probably would have... I know Phil Collins, when Genesis played live, did come out and do some songs. Did he? Yeah, yeah sang some songs. Uh, Chester was Thomas drums? was the drummer for Genesis. Mm. But So you thought, of, uh, you thought of Phil Collins and Dave, Dave Grohl, Grohl. Mm. and I thought of Jake Lipiak who was on the podcast oh, on yeah. episode 18. And he's like... Oh, he's a producer. He's a producer as well. But mm. then, saying that, he has made his production, um, I don't know, style or niche or whatever you want to call it, really drum heavy. Like, you go to him for 
you know, if you can't afford to do real drums in a proper studio, you Jake can make yeah. pr- program drums sound just as just as good. So then, so then maybe he has he has gone like straight drums. Yeah, I don't know. I'm good. I was, I, when I was growing up, I didn't really have. I tried to play guitar. My dad had a guitar in the house, but I've seen you play a bit of guitar. Oh yeah, yeah. So, yeah I'm, not, I'm not terrible, but I'm not good. But like, I mean, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be comfortable playing a gig on guitar. No. That would be a stretch. But, um, but yeah, there was a guitar lying about and never got on with it. Mm. And then, I don't know, I'm I'm quite energetic. When I was a kid, I was definitely bouncy. I think that would be a good word. I was just yeah doing lots of stuff all the time. So drums was just attractive. It just you know, there's something about these drummers that have like the... They're a drummer, but they have other things going on. So like the, like the guys you just mentioned... And drummers who are so good that you wouldn't even just call them a drummer, you would call them a musician because mm-hmm. a lot of the time, you know, drummers that you know on on like a smaller, you know, underground circuit tend to just be that. They just tend to be drummers. And that's no yeah. disrespect because they're usually fucking amazing drummers. But then for a drummer to make a transition to being um, sort of a musician and I know being a drummer makes you a musician but I mean in the sense of like music theory and melody and notes and things like that they're quite not few and far between but you know trickier to find than someone who is just a sick drummer and knows all that stuff and there's something about those drummers like I was watching a video on Questlove and there's something about them that is so like um almost magical like when you see like when Questlove was talking about the theory behind it Mm. And then he and then he shows you and demonstrates this 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 lazy feel that D'Angelo was trying to get. Into oh play. yeah, no, that's and true. it's like the tiniest little thing. But then he can put that into context with the harmony and the melody and all the music theory. There's something mm. kind of just magical about that person mm. who is he seemingly just everything music. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like, I mean, I'd like to think that people just don't look at me as a sick drummer, though. I mean, well, that was pretty. Sit cold, man. I don't know if they do sound good. <laughs> you were just being modest. <laughs> just being modest. But I don't know. I feel like I have a lot more to bring than just the fact that I play drums at a good standard. Yeah, yeah. I'd, yeah. I'd agree that you do as yeah. well. I just think... I, it, care, I care a lot about like how things sound. Like, uh-huh. That's always bothered. I don't know. Man, to, like when I was in college, I think this is a good, good thing that got drilled into me. I don't know. Maybe I drilled it into myself. But... You'd put on like shows at college, right? So mm-hmm. one example we did like a Halloween gig. Yeah. So you know, top you'd pick like you know like we did that gig it's last topical, year. By the way, it's Halloween you know, today on the day that this podcast comes oh, yeah, out. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. yeah, not on the day of oh, recording. Happy Halloween, everybody! Yeah. But you know when we did that Halloween gig last yeah, year with Ben yeah, yeah. at the bowling alley, and yeah, we yeah. picked a few songs that would go nicely with the whole Halloween holiday. Yeah. Um, you were modest there. They were bangers. Yeah, yeah. modest. <laughs> and then, so we did one of those. So we'd like get all the covers and that. And it used to annoy me that when we're doing the covers, I mean, not so much now, but back then, I just thought, you know, learn the song. Like it's, it's recorded. It's right. all there in front of you. Like yeah. it's not. And then someone, some people would like kind of cheat almost and not really learn it so much. So I, I guess I've always been like. I like hearing things like it doesn't really rest well with me unless I think it sounds good. Like that's maybe a bad example because all I think I was doing there is just learn a song. You know what I mean? It's there in front of you, learn it. But I think one, a little part of me that gets 
that about that is that I like things to sound good. Yeah. Like I don't I wouldn't necessarily not a lot gets past me. Like I'll be like, oh, no, let's do that again. Right, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean in 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 like rehearsals and uh recording sessions and stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean I, I I like recording. I like it. I've liked it as the years have gone on. I enjoy it a lot more. I'd love I love the whole process of it. Yeah. Because I even like writing whilst recording as well. Mm. I think that's that's fun as well. But I like that. I like just r- when you're writing something, just getting it down mm. and just being like, let's just go. Let's just do it. Rather than, re- like, don't be wrong. I, I appreciate there's something great in, like, crafting something and taking ages and not going with your first idea. But sometimes I think that's that can be done too much where you're just combing your arse hairs about something that was good in the first place. It sounds good. Let's mm. just get it down. Let's just do it. And then we'll craft it later. Yeah. But I didn't think a lot of people work a, bit, a lot differently. But I've, I've been in like recording session before where you've had the song there and then you record it. And you've As in pre- like the song's pre-written and then you're going yeah. to record it. Oh, we did it years ago uh, with Yarbo and it was actually the first time I met Kez. I'd not met Kez before then. And Pi was just like, uh, this is going to be the guys playing bass on the record. And then I was like, oh, okay. And then we had like a day when, the first day we all met, we just had a rehearsal. Like, we'd all, Pi had already wrote the song and all the parts were sort of written. We just never played it together as a group. Okay. So we rehearsed it through and whilst we were rehearsing, he was record, um, Joe Murphy was doing the recording. He just had the click on and we used them, weirdly, like the, the guide tracks for me then. Yeah. But then we did like a take of it, of the drums, and I don't know, no one was really that happy about it. Right. So I just remember that me and Kez just went and sat in the recording studio and just rewrote pretty much the drums and not all the drums, but worked on it a lot more. Yeah. And it was kind of fun because it, I guess it was, you had limitations as well with time. Mm-hmm. So you had to really like, work hard for something but then when you when you found something like you say don't be like oh right now we've got that it was like you had it like right okay next thing like what else do we need to sort yeah. out right that middle eight we weren't too happy about that and then you work and then once you had it you're like right now let's record it yeah so like having those are kind of like the limitations you have sometimes with that or like time schedule and like you can't have like months and months of writing something which sometimes is nice mm if you want to work really hard on something like that's good but it I like, depends I, doesn't it project yeah project. it depends what you're doing I guess yeah. but if you like writing a concept album it tends to help to have lots of time yeah yeah <laughs> but are you going to say something then um no oh I'm, you looked I, to me like you were I hate being in the studio you hate being in the studio yeah Oh, I, I hate being in the studio because all studios are dingy and like I just don't fare well in like dark non lit rooms and mm. obviously they all have to be like that because they need to be soundproofed and whatnot but um it, it just really drains the life out of me so whenever yeah. i've got to go in the studio i'm like oh, fuck. the only time i've ever enjoyed being in the studio was when we were in real world and that was because like the, that's because we're in real world literally the front of the studio looked out on a lake so like, <laughs> there was like i was about to say there's um rush bought like later on in their career like when an album called Permanent Waves came out. 
they were like because they had like families and stuff and they always had to go to like recording studios like in other countries and they were just they had enough money by then so they built a studio in Canada where they're all from mm. and there's like a scene when it's like the music video for one of their songs but it's just them playing it in the studio that they recorded in yeah, yeah, yeah. and behind the drum and Neil Pert there's just like this huge it's almost like a glass window yeah. And like you say, it just looks out to a really like snowy woodland Canada. Yeah, that's and amazing. it's just like amazing. And you're just like, yeah, that's not a bad place to record. See, that's why I, I think like the Motor Museum got it right where because obviously the Motor Museum in Liverpool. Liverpool, yeah. Because like obviously a lot of spaces like that you can't like those spaces are different because they've been they've been treated in such a way that it doesn't matter if you've got a big fucking window in there, we've mm. got millions to spend on sound treating, so it's fine. But obviously in like your kind of average studio, those, those big fucking windows are an absolute nightmare to mm. work with. So, you know, you, you try and avoid all of that. But then I feel like most museum got it right where they've built like a conservatory inside a big airy white room. Yeah. So like you walk out, but even the big airy white room is is quite windowless. I've seen, but you know what? Looks like a, I've never been in Moat Museum. Oh, really? I've only ever seen pictures of it. And I lived next to it for like two and a half years. Yeah, yeah no, it's really, really nice. Never been in there. It's really nice in there. Yeah, mm. it's, it's, it's weird the way they've done it, but they've done it very like practically, but also in a sense of be like, but you know, we still want people to be in here. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently it's amazing for drums. It's really, we it's did good. some drums in there in an old band. Yeah. It's really good. good. Unfortunately, the drums that were recorded were not good. They sounded good. <laughs> so they never got used. Oh. Um, but I, I, I fucking love being in the studio. I used to be a live guy. Like when I was a teenager into like early 20s, I was definitely a live person. But I love being in the studio now. And that's one thing that although home recording, having your own little setup, everything's programmed is nice. You do just sometimes miss just being mm. like, okay, we've got, we've got two days in the studio. Oh, you're, it's time for you to do guitars. All right, cool. Um, I've got all my pedals. We can put them in any way, shape that you want them. Also, we've got all your pedals, all your amps, and we can just fuck about in this with this mm. professional equipment. Yeah. And most of it makes the cut because you're just like, oh, that sounded mad. Let's just put that on. And yeah, it, yeah. And it's just that atmosphere. Whereas when you're in a home studio, you don't have the atmosphere of like, okay, well, this is what we're doing today. In the home studio setup, you're like, okay, I'm going to do this. And then whilst this is bouncing, I'll just put the washing out. And, and then, okay, well, that's finished exporting that now. So, all right, I'll just do a bit more. And then you're like, oh, I just need to do this. And then you go and like, tide, like I don't know, tidy up. You know, yeah. it just doesn't have the same, the same vibe. And that's one thing that I miss with like, with doing it in, in ill programmed. Because you don't, we, if someone said to us as a band, you're going in the studio next week. We'd like, don't get me wrong, we'd, we would definitely make something of it, but we'd also be like, okay, but most of it's programmed. <laughs> yeah. So we don't need it. And yeah. It just feels like overkill. Yeah, but I wonder if we were given different resources, whether that would change. Yeah, maybe. Well, what would be so sick about that is, and I've, I've only ever had this when we were in real world. We had a little bit in the Moat Museum, but not very much. I like it when you've got like a million synths or a million guitar pedals and you can just be like, oh, let's just fuck about with this. That sounds nice on this. Let's put that part on this. But then if you take that to drums, obviously now you've got sample libraries, which are thousands of um, audio files worth of mm. different drum hits no, at different velocities and it's fucking crazy. But in a studio, it's nice to be like, all right, we've got these five different snares. And you just tap in, oh, this one's not, and then you can you could just be like, all right, cool, let's put that snare in here. Yeah, yeah that's a uh, yeah, that's sort of a lost art now, really, isn't it? Yeah, because if you don't have, that's what I'm saying. Drums now, the recorded drums are so triggered. 
Yeah. It is, like, yeah. Just doesn't really matter does it like and there was a point where if you had five snares to pick from you're like holy shit we've got five snares mm. fucking hell that's loads and then now it's like oh we've only got five not not ten thousand <laughs> yeah as I mean, is as is the word five though. snares yeah. that's so 1984 mate <laughs> <laughs> um so you started playing drums when you were a teenager mm, yeah i think um started playing when i was 10 Right, you mentioned. Wait, there. B- before that, I I want like a little overview of like the George Coleman in school because your your like school you is mm. really funny because for some reason it just doesn't compute for me at all. Even though it makes sense, mm. I can't like conjure up the image of to, what of you in school, like the way you describe yourself. It makes total sense that you were like a like a. I was a bit of a class clown. Like. Yeah, but when you you were. She bit... means the fact that you were into music and football. Oh. No, but you were also. You, were you the wore sa- tracksuits, but you were into heavy music. No, you were the same as Alex in the sense that you were a bit of like you were a bit of like a moody, not goth, but you know you. <laughs> not goth at all. No, I, I, I mean, yeah, I don't know. In primary school, you're just like a kid, and I just wanted to play football, and my dad played football. More about fo- secondary though. And my dad played football, and then. I, f- I like to say the transition was I still like football I mean I still played football till a, a later like in my teenagers as well that never stopped and I still went and watched a lot of football and I still watch a lot of football now I love football but the football football but um, <laughs> I think I was about nine I guess and um, I'm just trying to think what came first I think it was yeah my dad got this new car and I had a CD player in it, and we all went nuts because it was like, you know, CD player in a car. What? Sure like, his age. Yeah. And then it was, was it? Was I must have been about that. Yeah, I think it was about, I reckon I was about 10. No, definitely about 10. Anyway, um, he got, there was a, we used to go to Hastings in the summer when it was off like school holidays and stuff. And you got this, uh, we was talking about this the other day, funny enough. Led Zeppelin, Early Days, that's album. And he got a rush, spit the Radio Greats hits. And I think he got another CD. But he played them to me. Well, he played the Led Zeppelin one because he went, you'll know this band because they would have had the Top of the Pops theme, didn't they? A whole lot of love. That riff yeah. was the Top well, of the Pops. Yeah, yeah, that was the Top of the Pops yeah. theme. So I was a kid going like, oh yeah, of course I know that. And then played the rest of it and then mm. heard the drums come in you mm. know because there's that little John Bonham yeah and I was just like fucking hell what's that it was like it just it was, it was the first time I'd not been like listened to music that's like kind of fed to you on the radio so almost. in your biopic of you as a as a musician it, it's got like a flash like the opening scene is you in the car and your dad putting that on and you're driving down the highway and then the drums come in and, yeah, yeah. and then it opens out into a musical number and it's <laughs> no it's like pretty but that wasn't I wouldn't, that turned me on to listening to rock music and being like nagging my dad a bit more about like, what's this stuff? Like, show me more, show me more. Because before then, it was kind of like, before that, I reckon Michael Jackson was probably my favourite. Okay. I loved Michael Jackson. Yeah. But that was because my mum really, she listened to it. Yeah, but she. (laughs) Ooh. Yeah, why why did he not like me? Um, (laughs) But. (laughs) Um. But yeah, because like my mum listened to loads of like disco music, so probably when you're growing up, it's very accepted. Like it's easy listening. Yeah. And then I remember that I was a le- so I wanted to play drums. And then and then it was me 
Uh, I hope we don't. We won't get in trouble for this. My dad had a friend that could get us free cable. <laughs> so he came around the house and he put it in. And we were like, fucking hell, look how many channels you can get. It was amazing. It was probably about 30, right? At that time. No, I think it was about 100. Oh, was it? Because I remember getting it was, still, it was still like a fair amount. Yeah. I think actually, no, it would have been like, I think it was 99 because it was so old school, this cable box. It would just have a number on it. So when you were going through channels, it would just be like, it wasn't like now where mm. you're on channel 30, but it tells you what the name of the channel is, the listings. Yeah. It was just... A little digital yeah, light. Just, with we're on channel 40, what's this? We're just going to have to find out when once the, the adverts tell us. Yeah, or something like, you yeah, know? yeah. But then it, it, we had the music channels and that was like, for me, it was like, what? They have just music videos on TV? Wow. And then you had like Kerrang! And like, but my favourite was MTV2. I always was... Yeah, MTV2 then, was good for a bit, wasn't it? Yeah, MTV, early days of like MTV Gonzo and all that. Yeah, they used to play a band called A on there all the time. Yeah, A. Yeah. And yeah. then a music video of them on a rooftop. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, that, that, they that just had tune. that on constantly. And Feeder were always on MTV2. Feeder, too. yeah. No, but the one that did stand out, so I was about 11 at this point, and, uh, ooh, that must take your leg, um, <laughs> was, um, well, what's the word that they use? You know when it's like, Something happens in your life and you're never the same again. Epiphany? Yeah. Or, yeah, I don't know. Don't know. Yeah, epiphany. I think I will go for epiphany. Yeah. Well, it was the music video to Nirvana, you know, you're right. And as soon as that came on, I was like instantly affected. And I don't think I was ever the same again. I kind of just knew from that that I wanted to do music in some form. And I really was like, right, I'm going to play the drums because yeah. that was the instrument out of anything I would ever listen to that would always stand out and I'd be like that sounds like the funnest yeah, thing yeah. to do I had that exact so. same epiphany moment with Linkin Park in the end yeah there's always a song on. there's always a song for someone yeah that was on so. Kerrang I think yeah they were, they were a bit more of a Kerrang bang weren't there they, was a point where it was like music music video channels were were the thing weren't they they were the vibe yeah no, it was like YouTube, so. you go and sit and you go and sit yeah i used to have it in my auntie's house on my dad's side and you'd be like okay you're just gonna go around there and as soon as i'd walk in it was like all right cool we'll put in like kerrang scuzz or mtv2 on mm. and then and it, you just sit there and watch it all the time and, and then, then they and then they used to have like on some channels i don't remember if they did this on mtv2 or maybe kerrang maybe scuzz definitely probably scuzz but they used to have like little hours of like mm, say like Slipknot versus yeah 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 like you corn. know Corn Corn were always but, on our Corn got that many music videos yeah, they are always on but what they would do which is really interesting like that's just a thing of the past I remember this so Corn's music video would be on yeah and for that duration of the four minutes and it was always Freak on a Leash as well no they'd have <laughs> You'd have to text in whether you'd wanted Freak on a Leash okay. or something else. Yeah, 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 <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. you know, and then as the song come on, you'd see the little percentage bar go up because it's like, it's 40% of Freak Leash. Fuck that, God, keep texting in. <laughs> I don't want to listen to that one. And it'd be funny. And then at the end, it'd be like, next song's for And then you'd be like, oh, okay. To be fair, like, that was like a cool thing. I used to love doing with all that. With Corn, though, it'd be like, they'd, be, they'd have Freak on a Leash on and then it'd be the next thing. You'd be like, don't let that go again. <laughs> and then it'd be Freak and Alicia get like that was or all like blind fucking on. oh yeah what was the, I like that my favourite uh, tune was you know the one where he like 
sort of static television. I forget the name of that tune. Yeah, Here to Stay. Here to Stay. What yeah. a, that's a great... That's a heavy tune that's, as well. Yeah, that. That, I was really into that when I was younger. What was I remember from MTV was the um, the one where they were dressed as m- mice. Right. Oh, um, that was you gang. and me, baby. Yeah, ain't but me. I am paying for that, by the way. That, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was that. That was always on. Always. And they had that other one. Um, Bloodhound Gang. Yeah. No, that, it wasn't. That. that it wasn't that song. It was them people. But it was um, it was the Billy Jean. What they didn't were dressed like mice in that. They did. Didn't they were they? going around like New York or somewhere dressed as these, dressed as like animals and they doing had another tune as well. That no, they were, on, they were on a college. Stacy Elaine one, didn't they? Oh yeah, dear, dear Stacy Elaine, I wrote to complain. You never wrote me. <laughs> no, they're on like a college campus. And okay, but even so, that's, it's, that's Billie Jean. It's not Billie Jean. It is. Billy Jean was by a guy that's called uh, Farm, Michael Jackson. Yeah, that's Elmo Bowles. Alien Ant Farm did Smooth Criminal though. Yeah. Smooth Criminal, not Billie Jean. And oh, also, they weren't dressed as mice. Are you sure? I'm pretty uh, sure. I think the bass player was dressed in some weird onesie, though. Pro- yeah, that's possibly. what it was. I don't onesie. Maybe. Possibly. I mean, he, did okay. he had that horrible reverse Mohican, the lead singer. It was like shaved down yeah. the middle. Yeah. <laughs> but long on both sides. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing, you idiot? But uh, it wasn't like his hair on the sides, though, was still really short. Mm. So it was like oh yeah, it was, it was like, like a, like a, a weird zero fade. in the middle yeah. and like a two on the side. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> what are you doing, you fucking? Um, but yeah, okay. So so obviously Nirvana's been the big few, and that's you know Dave Grohl. Oh yeah, they're my favourite band. So. Um, and then and then you start playing in bands when you're in high school. Yeah, I met. Um, this is probably another big thing that happened. So when I was at school, so I found out about Nirvana, and one of my mates knew this guy that was. Um, he was a lot older than us. He was so when I was in, I reckon I would have been in, yeah, year eight. Yeah, okay. so, so I was what? in year eight. That's so like 13? 12, 13. Yeah, and we knew this guy because we were really into like even at that age. I still was like quite like into wrestling and stuff. We used to watch <laughs> okay. like on Saturday before like Soccer AM. They used to have SmackDown on Sky One. Right, so okay. you know he liked a bit of wrestling as well. And still enjoyed it, but that was kind of like. That was when it was getting bad. You know okay. what I mean? Like Stone Cold was getting old and the rock. So Stone that Cold was getting old. That, that sounds like a like a little end of that, like what they were called the Attitude Era. Okay. Um, sorry, my mum keeps trying to call me it's three ruthless. times now in the space of two minutes. She really wants to. Do you want to? Do you want to take, take it? Nah, it? nah, she can wait. Um, <laughs> it might be an emergency. It's not an emergency. It's to let her know. She said, "Have you seen me?" She's probably going to be. Have you seen me text message? Um, <laughs> Send you an email saying I've just tried calling you to see yeah. if you've seen my text oh, you've about whether I've s- you've seen my WhatsApp. Yeah. Um, you're but watching we, SmackDown before it before no, it got shit. But we we knew this we knew this older guy because he was super into wrestling, and for some reason during like lunchtime, when some of us used to like I don't know fuck around like like fake wrestling. Right. I I I feel like he was a friend. So my friend's older brother was his mate, basically. Right. And Your friend's older brother was his mate. Yeah. Okay. That mate, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's why he was kind of like hanging around our vicinity. Yeah. Right? Didn't even go to the school or anything. No, he was no, just yeah. <laughs> coming in. He's like, he's super cool. And then you but realize later I guess, that he was I guess, like 26. I guess at that age, he always played someone like Kane or Undertaker because he was bigger than us and could probably choke slam us with one hand. And, okay. You know what I mean? And... Uh, I remember one day, because he always kind of looked a bit like punky and stuff like that. I thought, oh. 
he might know who Nirvana is because I only see this one music video and I'm desperate to know more about them. So I went up to him and was like, do you know Nirvana? And he's like, he's like, yeah, but they're not really my thing. But there is someone that really likes them you should meet. And then just there and then he's like, follow me. And I was like, oh, okay. So he was walking... Uh, through my school I imagine that you know like in a, in a film where they're taking someone to the underworld and they have to go like past doors that like two henchmen open and mm. they're like yeah. hey, like hey Jimmy and he's like how's the wife and he's like mm, yeah, still yeah, not yeah. good Pete Say no more. and then they're going through and people are coming up to him like begging for change and stuff and he's like get out of here <laughs> leading, like leading that, really. me to a Nirvana fan who sat on a we throne. just went from one field to the next to, <laughs> yeah. um but yeah, so we get there, and so you could in our school you could tell what year someone was in because they had a different coloured tie. Right. So I had yellow tie, and Marinus that was his name. He had an orange tie. Marinus. Marinus that was his name. Yeah. Wow. And he went and introduced me to this guy called Ben, who at the time was kind of terrifying for me because he was same year as him. He had an orange tie as well, but he had long green hair. Okay. He had loads of piercings on his face. I was, I was like. I was like, fucking hell, this guy looks nuts. Yeah. And he had, like, DM boots on. His trousers, school trousers, like, deliberately ripped them and stuff. He's just, yeah. just living and breathing the fucking... Yeah. Yeah. The cause, man. And he introduced me. He's like, hey, Ben, this guy, this George, he, like, wants to know about Nirvana. And he went, go away. Like that. <laughs> and I was like, oh. And he was like, and he was like, turned to Marinus and like, said, why the fuck are you bring this little kid over here? Like, go away. And you were like, this is so cool. <laughs> and no, I was kind of a bit like, oh, don't worry, Marinus, it's fine. I'll, I know where I'm not wanted and I think I just walked off. Mm. Um, at this time, um, I, my music teacher at the time, a guy called Mr. Westwood, uh, we didn't have a very big music department. <laughs> is he on the radio now? Was he the dog baby? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, George, want to come play drums, baby? Uh, so, but we didn't have a our school, the music department. I don't know, like yours was at your school, but it was, it was Titch, our one. Ours was one guy, yeah. Ours was yeah. sick. <laughs> was Ours it? had a whole department. Really? Had like five rooms. Uh, nah, our one was really small. Probably like two music classrooms and a little music tuition classroom. Mm. It's probably about the size of this flat, really. Right. Like, it wasn't very big. And... Um, on Thursday, on Thursday evenings, they had a drum kit in the music tuition room, and he was like, "I do, I stay late on Thursdays to do some marking, and no one's here, mm. so I've got the key for all the rooms." He said, "If you want to just come practice some drums, and that you're more than welcome to come. I'm here, and because I was his student, he knew he like trust me and stuff." Okay. So I was like, "Oh yeah, I'd love, yeah, cool," and then. You just go up there and I just, with my Walkman, just listen to Nirvana, so, or well, whatever, maybe not Nirvana at that point, or I might have got a CD of Nirvana by then, yeah. and was just like trying to desperately learn as much as I could on my own. Mm-hmm. And then one day, I just kind of, because where the drum kit was, you could see the door in front of you, and it had like a little panel glass window in it, so you could see outside. Yeah. And I see that guy, Ben, walk past. Yeah. And I kind of like, oh, got made me feel a bit like scared because like the girl you like just walks past. Yeah, because he wasn't too forthcoming to me the first time. I thought, oh god, I hope he doesn't see me because that'd be embarrassing. Right. And he kind of walked past and then see him walk backwards like that and do that, put his head in. I thought, shit, like he's seen me. And he just opened the door and he went, "I'm gonna make a record with you, man." No, no, he just went, "Are you playing Nirvana like that?" And I was like, "Yeah." And he went. Oh, keep playing that. And as he was doing that, he was taking off. He had a guitar on the back of him. He's taking the guitar out of his bag, plugged it into an amp. And I was like, what? The? I was just didn't know what to do. He's like, 
Go on, play it again. Did you live in School of Rock? This is mad. Right, no, okay. it was weird. <laughs> and then we played together for a bit. I think the song I was playing at the time was maybe like In Bloom or something like that. Okay. You know, with like... Yeah, because that was like, I was trying to get that bit. Yeah. And we was playing it together and he knew all the chords and I was like, this is crazy. This is like, I'm actually fucking, actually playing with someone. Yeah. And then we were just, that was it. He was like my new best friend. And it was really odd because he was a lot older than me. Like, yeah. You know, when you're in secondary school, it's weird to be, a, well, it's probably weirder for him to be associated with someone younger. Yeah, you don't really do that, do you? No. Like what year, year was he in at the time? He would be in year 10 when I met him and I was in year eight. Right. But then after that, he was like, where do you live? And I was like, I live around this area. And he goes, I'm not. And he said, oh, I live here. And he was like, you should come. Uh, could you come to my house on a Friday, like after school? And I was like, well, I have to tell my parents. And he was just like, <laughs> tell your parents. Cause he's obviously like, he's like, and I was like, so I went home and I was like, mom, dad, there's like this guy I've like made friends with at school. He wants, and they were just like, yeah, of course. Yeah. They're like, George has got a friend. Splendid. No, 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 they were just like, <laughs> but no, because he lived, didn't live near me. And like, and obviously I'd have to like get back, you know, just, I was still young yeah, at this yeah. point. No, I know what you mean. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, of course you can. And I was like, just, you know, make sure you, you know, keep in touch and all that. And then he, the first time I went to his house, he had like, his parents had converted like a loft. So he just had the loft room. Mm. And he just had a, like a drum kit in there already and everything. I was just like, wow, this is amazing. So he's and minted. Then, no, he wasn't. He was just... Just he's obviously been he's walking around with his ripped jeans and then he goes home and he's having no, quail no. for dinner <laughs> he, re- he really wasn't Ben like he's, his family were quiet top quality green hair dye only the best for our Ben I mean yeah his mum got it done at the salon around the corner <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but no we just hit it off and then he me and him played music like pretty much religiously we started like a band do you still know him now? yeah still know him um, what's he doing now? Plays in bands still. See, yeah, that's good. Yeah, and he's like, well, he's still li- with Jenny, who's he was dating when we were in secondary school, married oh, now wow. and everything. Like, yeah. yeah, but we just we originally started playing Nirvana cover songs, so it was just like a Nirvana cover band. But then after a while, once he started feeding me music and stuff, and we like started training stuff, we yeah started getting a bit more into like stoner rock as well so like all caius and queens of stone age so by the time we started like starting making music like our own band we were like more veering off that way yeah but still a bit grungy well, it's a bit more modern and, i suppose as well. yeah it was a bit psyche i guess really because we like pink floyd as well right so but our fir- my first band name i was ever in was the monkey nut mafia <laughs> our first band name right Monkey Nut Mafia is there a reunion on the cards <laughs> no um, it'd be funny though playing some of them songs but and then we met a guy called Josh who was in a band called Zero and then he joined with us and then we became Cirrhosis 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 yeah that, that makes me think of psoriasis well cirrhosis <laughs> is a liver di- a liver disease isn't it from too uh... much drinking yeah but, and Zero, I believe he got uh, Zero was the name of the ghost dog in A Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, yeah. That's where they got that name from. Right, fair. So, yeah. Um, but that's, so that's kind of like the beginning of my being in bands. And then mm-hmm. when I went to college, we kind of lost, we didn't lose touch, but we just stopped playing together. Yeah. Because he then got a job and 
because he was a bit older and then I was still in school and learning and yeah. kind of just lost touch a bit. But we still talk. We still talk now. We don't, we see probably each other like twice a year. Yeah. But we've got like our own lives going on and so, yeah. So, you know, you know what's mad is like when you're a teen, maybe it's not mad, but something I've noticed recently is that when you're a teenager or when you're first learning your instrument, you you generally either, you gravitate to either something that speaks to you it could mm. be it could be anything it could be whatever music or whatever front person inspires you but then also you tend to gravitate towards something just harder and harder and harder as well especially if you're into rock music you start off with this like really sort of almost brain dead punky grungy thing which is just like power chords or mm. you know one beat like over and over again and then you start gravitating towards like you said pink floyd things here or you might go into like heavier metal that's faster and speed metal and shit like that and you get faster and then when it gets to being like a kind of semi adult as as mm. i feel like i am at the moment you then start realizing that okay they just want me to be able to play g c d really well or as a drummer they want me to just go yeah. really really well and it's crazy how you and and I remember having this before I went to university. It was something they said in their speech, in their speech, in their lecture. Yeah, that spiel that they give you before you, you know, oh, when like, you have like an open day. Yeah, you know, like the main thing about coming to university here is not being able to play everything as fast as possible or the best, most technical thing. It's being able to do the basics simply. I feel as though that is most important on a drum kit mm-hmm. yeah because on a recording if you get everything completely completely right right you've got your synth sounding beautiful you've got your vocal sounding great you've got your guitar sounding great bass sounds amazing everything's great and your drums aren't right even if it's just a simple drum beat it destroys yeah. the whole track and you- but you can get away with the kind of shitty sounding guitars maybe the occasional shitty sounding synth but you can't get away with shitty sounding drums. Yeah. And, and But even in like the writing of drums as well, like because if I would listen back to all those recordings we did when we were younger of like those songs we first started writing, yeah, then I bet there's like drum fills wherever I could fit them in because yeah, yeah. when you're first like starting to learn something, you're like, you'd learn a new thing and you'd be like, yeah, where can I fit that in? Yeah. So I'd imagine some of those like songs I first started writing with Ben, like if I could still remember, I mean, fucking hell, I can't even remember what they would, but yeah, you know what I mean? If we, like we could f- go back to that now, yeah. as the music, because even Ben's probably come leaps and bounds as a musician because we've yeah. been playing the whole, we've not stopped playing at the same time. And, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I reckon we would probably write them very differently. Like sometimes just keeping the drum simple is well, better. I think that's what you learn to do, isn't it? You learn it. Like serve the song a bit more. Yeah, you, know? you learn things to be the, the most that they could be. I'm going to do this fill here. Mm-hmm. Like every bar has got a fill at the end of it. Every bar is... Yeah, it is very much like Got some tuned drums there. Yeah. But then you then I suppose learn that to scale it back. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you learn that you can, it's there in your locker to do it if you need it. And probably when you play live, you do it more often, but then you, you, at least you know it, but you don't actually have to do it. And it's like um, one of the what other intros I was going to 
do today, which was a drum related one, was about Quincy Jones when he did Off the Wall with Michael Jackson. Mm. Totally uh, eradicated the drum fill and was like, we don't want people to get confused while they're on the dance floor. Like, it has to just be dancing. Yeah. And if you listen to there, that there album, is like, like no drum Yeah, fills. but it, on, on that album, though, the only time there would be a fill is like, take Rock Review, for example. Yeah. It's right at the beginning. Right at the start, yeah. <laughs> and, that, and then apart from that, the drums stay pretty solid throughout. Yeah, and that's a little Not, intro to be like, okay, the groove's coming in. So there's, like, a li- there's, there's little nice little... <laughs> as a drummer I don't know there's there's nice little things as it goes back into the chorus that he does on the hi-hats well that's that's the only thing that apparently they're putting in with these little high open hi-hat markers so that so say they're, they're like playing like chorus two three yeah and that'd literally be it because this is and Michael Jackson music Michael Jackson music that sounds so stupid but Michael Jackson's music is not only widely regarded as amazing by the general public, but amongst musicians, because it's so well crafted and well written from like a chord songwriting uh, point of view, isn't it? Mm. But even you listen to the album, and it is just the simplest shit. Yeah, but it's just the best. It's very frustrating as well because you, because you're like, drum wise, it's the simplest shit, I suppose. But then that's not, that's hard, not the easiest though. thing to do. I, I, you know, I think sometimes some of those songs are the hardest to play because you have to really be disciplined with yourself. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's, it, yeah, like, people would think like, well, surely you're just repeating that same drum pattern over and over again. But I was like, yeah, yeah. but then you've got to, when you're like playing that with a group of people, yeah. you, you know, You've also got to kind of like resist your own temptation to enjoy it. Yeah. Like in a weird way, like you want to add something to it. Yeah. Yeah. You, you want to do put your that own musician. flavor on it. Yeah. Right? You want to pit something, but like some, something like that. That's probably why session musicians of whoever recorded on those albums were so good. Yeah. Because they just went in there and was like, did the job, you know. Yeah. This is what I need to do. solidly, like really yeah. solidly. And wasn't that, that was all because. The, the producer who's the producer yeah you went to the toilet while I said this I've already said it uh, Quincy Jones <laughs> Quincy Quincy lad Quincy um, but he like the the idea of someone coming into the studio laying down just a simple beat and that being I don't know let's say you have Dave Grohl right comes mm-hmm. in you want Dave Grohl to play that's it Dave Grohl comes and does it. Sounds a certain way. It's the same beat, same drum kit, same everything. Nothing changes, but Questlove comes in and does it. Mm. Same beat. Sounds well, everyone's completely sounds different. different. Yeah. And that is obviously prominent on all instruments because the player is, you know, putting their energy into it. But I would argue, say that arguably drums is the that happens the most on drums. Where mm-hmm. you can really feel a different drummer. Oh, it is. It is. It's that. In, I mean, it's that instrument, isn't it? That, it's the pulse. It's yeah. So it makes does something a bit different, doesn't it? Yeah. Makes you feel it in different areas. Yeah. In your hips and then. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Is it, is it must be like I don't know. It, in, in your tilly tackle. Yeah. <laughs> like obviously you can hear the difference between Eric Clapton playing a guitar part and. Uh, See, yeah. When I Dave when I when I hear part, like instruments like weird. guitar yeah. and piano. They they affect me in a different way, more in an emotive way. Like I feel, it, may, it makes me think about things, okay. like a particular people or yeah. things like that, and they kind of affect me in that way. Yeah, 
but then like say drums and bass and that when i feel that i'm just like i don't know it's more of a it's more primal yeah yeah that's yeah. kind well, of I, a good thing yeah i think that's a good word yeah. i wish i wish i was a drummer that's the thing it, it's just like the it's the ebb and flow of a song it just makes you like yeah you have the the harmony that can be evocative but the drums just really like I just think it's so powerful and so fun as well. So like if you've got a song, right, and this is the first one that pops into my head, so it's, it's a shit example, but Wake Me Up When September Ends by Green Day, right? It's mm. all really nice and it's all, you know, very sad. Ding, 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 ding. But then when those drums come in and it's like, doof, 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 you're like, whoa, and it's yeah. like this big rush of, I don't know, emotion or power or something. And I just wish that I was the guy sat behind the drum kit doing that. Rather than being the guy who's going ding yeah. ding 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 ding, <laughs> but I, an instrument I'd love to play well is bass. Yeah, I know it's again another river instrument, so I'm obviously sticking to that side. But I don't know. Ba- when I hear bass in tunes, it that that brings something weird. That like I really like that. That's There's a good, a good bass, bass riff in a mm. or bass line in a tune. That's that goes a long way for me. Yeah, but I guess if I could, you know, like if you could take the standard that you play your own instrument at and transfer, transfer it. it piano would be for me yeah I, I, yeah piano just all day long i, I mean that'd be second on my so, list people that can play piano really well should count themselves very very fortunate yeah. well they, they probably don't because they practice and they deserved it yeah but, you know what <laughs> yeah. i mean but see to me piano seems like one of the and i know it's well need to move that mic into your face um see to me even though and it pro it, it probably isn't because i just don't understand other instruments i think piano is like one of the easier ones to play because you have your notes like in order do you know what i mean whereas like on a guitar the notes are just not there's no, no yeah there's no there's no like rhyme obviously there is when you get into it but to me looking at a guitar when i try and play it i'm like there's no rhyme or reason to this yeah. i'm so confused I don't. I don't know. I guess someone would argue against that. I mean, probably a pianist would argue against that because yeah. they'd say it wasn't easy learning it. But no. I d- I d- I've, yeah, I guess it's a bit more. Maybe it's laid piano- out. It's laid out a bit simpler. But that's the thing. I think maybe just because piano is the like the only instrument that I've ever really learned. So, but then when I've tried but there, to like there, there transfer must, that to guitar, there must be <laughs> something in that though. Because obviously, I don't know. I mean, I'm not that well versed in guitar or piano but i'm sure a guitarist and pianist would have an argument each to be like well it's no more difficult than doing this on that instrument because then we have this challenge that we have to get over yeah and like a guitarist might have like yeah that works for us but then it is like you know i don't know it's everything's got its pros and cons doesn't it yeah drums are the most fun and sort of powerful instruments piano is almost like the most sophisticated um uh like it's almost like a like when you think of music you think of a piano don't you um and then guitarists have the whole like pedal situation so they can just like make their guitar sound like whatever the fuck they want um bassists have that kind of oozing coolness so they've got that cool thing and then then you get into like you've got your trumpets and your saxophones and all that and that's like niche and kind of you kind of wish that you'd maybe yeah, say something more the niche. pros and cons i think for me when picking an instrument yeah the, the pro for me 
for drums was that they're big, they're in front of you. Yeah. Where like a guitar, it's all very intricate and fiddly. Yeah. And I, would, I was like, oh, fuck that. There's no patience <laughs> for that. Yeah. The drums are like just there. Yeah. And they're visually just, they're, everything's in front of you. And yeah. it was like, I can get that. Yeah. But then when learning it, I thought, oh, God, I use four things at once. <laughs> oh, yeah. But Anne's feet. And uh, that was like, that is the biggest challenge for it is like, but that's one but thing. But when that you went discover, when you when you first have your first little breakthrough of a legit like feet and hands separating, mm. it's such a such a good feeling. It's like epiphany. Yeah, well, yeah, it's just amazing. You're like, I can't believe I just, I just can't believe the one that I was trying to get for ages was another Nirvana song, "Drain You," where the hi hat. It it was basically without even knowing it, I discovered the and beat. Okay. When counting like one and like one e and two, like yeah. I just discovered that, but I didn't know what that was at the time. Obviously, as I've gotten older and spoke to music with a lot more people, yes. well more versed in theory than I am. Uh-huh. But that without I found out time when. I, but when you're doing that with even at that stage, you I don't think. Uh, yeah, so that's just separating your hands, mm. not even getting your feet involved. Right. But when I first did that, because I was listening to it for ages, because uh, like, I just list, li- learned from listening to music. Yeah. And I would like double hit, you know what I mean, with both hands. Uh-huh. But I knew that didn't sound right. Yeah. And I was thinking, what? This can't be right. But he's he, can't, he can't, surely. And then when I kind of did it slowly, I was like, Oh, like and then that was a big like like yeah. moment i was like oh you have to like play within the spaces and stuff like that as yeah, well yeah yeah it's crazy that's something that people struggle with when they first sit down behind a drum kit isn't it that yeah. you're like okay you go one with your foot getting the feet and hands to do what you want them yeah. To. yeah two with your left hand and then do one two three four with your with your right hand and you've got one and three with your foot two and four with your left and then people start and all four limbs go what? <laughs> but it's interesting time. though I've also seen people where where their right hand or left hand depends on what hand you are but obviously I'm right handed so yeah. if anyone sat at my kit they've been right reading hand. with yeah. the hi-hat with the right Yeah, it's interesting to find that some people would either match their right foot with their hand or yeah. you know when they're trying to separate it so yeah. they'll either go yeah, that's right. so everything on the or, right hand side yeah. goes at the same or time. Or some people go, yeah, hands, like it, hands yeah, go at the same hands time. Go at the same <laughs> time. So it's really interesting. So some people, it, that's why I think it's like you just got to, that's the hand, like the whole sort of separation thing mm. is like, because some people are like, oh, I could never play drums because oh, I couldn't do that. And I'm like, you can, but you can know. Yeah. Just, you haven't ever worked your brain in that way mm, yeah, yeah. where it's like and then once you got it and you do enough muscle memory on it yeah they say that you have to play something like three thousand times yeah or something know. like that for your brain to like so if you're doing like a rudiment right if you repeat that like three thousand times or something like that it becomes muscle memory it becomes yeah i think it's something that your brain ingrains okay so right. yeah i Would- think i think that's I've heard that somewhere. Something something like like that. Would you ever teach? I don't think I have patience for it. Mm. And also, I'd, I feel like I'd be sort of conning someone out of a good education because I don't really know theory and anything like that. Mm. I can only teach them the way that I know how to play it, but necessarily my way is not the right way. It's just the way that works for me. Mm. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, so that's why I would probably... 
if I was a lot more theory based and had lessons and learnt drums that way, then yeah, I probably would because I know what the procedures are and what the correct ways of showing them is. Yeah. But I I always encourage people just to give it a go and mm. Right. I got a couple of questions before we move on to a smeg. Okay. First question is um just a classic one because you, you you did it with me, Shell. Um so Dave Grohl's obviously a big inspiration. Yeah. John Bonham was the first drummer you heard. Yeah. Who 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 else? What are we uh, saying? Neil Pert Rush. Yeah. Um Phil Collins. Yeah. Um but I'm just trying to think of someone's a bit more like modern that I've got into more in my later years, but about, uh, the drummer from Colour, whatever his name is. Yeah. Um Joe Colour. Yeah, I'm calling <laughs> that. Um Who else? What uh, about the Paramore drummer? He very good drummer. I, I, he was the only reason I liked Paramore. Well, okay, I like Paramore. I'm happy to admit that now. But I feel like at the time when it came out, they were they were they, they were attracted emo. by a bunch of people that I was just like, oh, you. Well, they made emo me. mainstream, didn't they? So. Yeah. Well, do you reckon? Or more range, more range, mainstream. I reckon. I reckon bands like Fallout Boy and even though they're a bit yeah, more pop punky, maybe I felt like they could have probably helped a lot more with that. Mm. I don't know. So then, all right, so the drummers that you've named, you've got your Dave Grohl's, you've got your, your, your Neil Peart's, Phil Collins, John Bonham. Even, you know, I know Dave Grohl's still going, and I know that mm. Phil Collins is still knocking around, but they're old. They are old. And I know Dave Grohl's not that old, but he, he's still old. They who's, are older. Who's, who's, good, who's the good drummer to listen to now, 2019? Mm. Or maybe an older drummer who's still completely relevant. No, no, I can think of probably someone now. Um, well... You know, T T got me in for T got me into like for a while, like what I'd call like the Instagram drummers. Yeah. Which are like these amazing like session drummers in America. Mad like techers, aren't they? Yeah, like yeah. the Justin Bieber's drummer, which was that Tay um his name is like Sticks Taylor, but I think his name is Devon Taylor. Okay. Like unbelievable drummer, like gospel drummer, Chop City, like yeah. just unbelievable. Yeah, and such a good. So I enjoy watching him. Since going to uni and getting to know T more, mm. you gospel really has yeah. sort of over like has, has come into uh, my uh, life a lot more. And you but I think it's it, I think it's coming to a lot more popular cultural music more because of of just you know of those musicians coming out of those churches they're naturally bringing it into the music as well yeah, because like they're even the best the on their instrument yeah. and then they play for the biggest artists in the world yeah so yeah. um i'm just trying to think a drummer that i really like maybe in what's what? jay-z's drummer's name oh uh tony royster jr yeah yeah he's he's, he's getting crazy yeah well he's probably the best drummer in the world really he's have you seen that video of him playing like a it's something like 128th notes on the high. It's something crazy on the oh, high. And it's like quick. a normal, I think he does it at 120. Mm. If you, I encourage people to try and find it on YouTube. I don't know what you type in because I can't remember. I, I, it was something that you would see in like a, you know, like a, like a, you know, like a drum tech magazine yeah. and they had like a YouTube channel. It was, this was ages ago. Um, but you play in this ridiculously quick hi-hat. Maybe it was mm. 64th and it wasn't 128, but it was, it was mad. And it literally sounded like a solid noise, like a, like a, like a, yeah. like a, like it did, you couldn't hear the, it was just like, 
<laughs> and you were watching it and he was like and then he at the end of it i remember uh, maybe i'm misremembering but he was like you would never use that but it's good to be able to do it yeah <laughs> you're like what <laughs> the fuck <laughs> that was crazy i think i've just thought of some drummers now that bit maybe a bit more relevant so yeah um Arctic Monkeys drummer. Oh, yeah, he's sick. He's very good. I mean, the the new Arctic Monkeys stuff is not really catering it for him, I don't think. He's, it's very simple, isn't it? It's very simple, but mm. yeah, he's such a good drummer. And, yeah, he is. And maybe a bit underrated, I don't know. I don't think in the, in the grand scheme of coming from a drummer's perspective and talking to other drummers, his name doesn't really get brought up a lot. No, it doesn't. I think, what's, what's his name? Is it Matt something? Um don't know. Yeah, see, that's a shame. I should yeah. know his name, really. But yeah, yeah. Um, uh, who else would I say? A band that I like, Fall of Troy, their drummer. Mm-hmm. I always kind of liked his style of playing. That kind of suited me down quite well. But what? then I've been listening to like a lot of, like a lot of all the drummers that are playing like in that sort of jazzy scene at the moment. And they're obviously unbelievable. They're just jazz drummers. But there's yeah. that Yusef Days. He's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, I know what you mean. He's re- and he's like from like same part of London. Uh, funnily enough, so I'm in a Tesco a few weeks ago. <laughs> and then that what was, was he doing crazy playing drums thing. in there. Terrible. No, he was in Tesco he was in a oh, Tesco amazing. in Greenwich and I just saw him and I hate going approaching people and be like, Hey, like, you yeah. know, nice to meet you. I listen to your stuff. Just, yeah. They're just a person doing some shopping. Leave them let do some fucking shopping. Yeah. And but the funny thing was, so that was like Three, four weeks ago, I saw him in the Tesco. Yeah. And last week, I saw him on a video on stage with uh, John Mayer. Yeah, that's crazy. And I was just like, you're in Tesco in Greenwich like three <laughs> weeks ago, and now you're on a stage with John Mayer. And Tom Mish was playing as well with him. Oh, Tom Mish was playing with John Mayer. Yeah, as well. It was in guy. America somewhere. Yeah. And I think it was a jazz festival. Right. And John Mayer sense. came on stage to play with them. That's amazing. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so the other question I wanted to ask was i i've had this chat with an old friend of mine before um we used to write songs together and we'd we'd always characterize stuff and i've had this with michelle since in that when i write stuff it tends to be because i think it's because i wish i was a drummer and drums are are so important to the way i listen to music you know i like i did my dissertation on rhythm Mm. um and I when I write something, it's way more rhythmical than it is melodic. So we'll write a melody, and it'll be very interesting rhythmically, but probably not that interesting melodic, like you mm. know the notes that that are being used on those on those uh, yeah. beats. Um, so I would say I'm a very rhythmical person. I would say Shell's a very melodic person. Would you mm-hmm. agree with that? Well, yeah, I guess that makes sense just from a vocal point of view as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but you could get vocalists who were more rhythmical. Yeah. Um, but then I've noticed a distinction in drummers as well. So you just automatically assume that a drummer is a more rhythmical person. And, you know, maybe compared to a layman, they are. But within being a, you know, within the realm of just being a drummer or a musician, you get some drummers who are like you, and I would say you're super rhythmical. Like mm-hmm. when you do a drum fill, it grooves, mm-hmm. you know? And then you get other drummers who, when they do a drum fill, it feels melodic. It doesn't necessarily groove. It doesn't make you want to dance to the drum fill, but it's... It's got an ebb and a flow to it that is like a almost almost like notes on a piano. I find that like, some of the music that we listen to that we enjoy together, like architect's drummer, can be I heavier would say, stuff. melodical. Yeah, because the kind of that that sort of music follows the guitar. Yeah, well, everything really follows the guitar. 
Well, like, in that sort of genre, I suppose. So that's that. I see what you mean. That's like dream theater. Can well, be, I was fucking going to say dream theater. They drummer. can be quite a uh, Mike Pontney. Mike Pon- yeah, yeah. He's he he's don't get me wrong. He's got some he's got some groove, but he again also is. I would agree with that. He's probably like a. His drum fills don't he, make you go fuck yeah. His drum no, fills are like they're very nice. well they're very well thought out. Yeah, and they do complement what's going on. Yeah, like. and the thing is that with the with the with like using different drums as well is that you get those drummers and maybe it's because they're the, that genre tends to dictate that they have like a thousand toms in front of them from like one that's about a centimeter big to one that's mm. six foot deep. You know, like they got like these. Yeah. So then they can be a bit more like boom, boom, ding, boom, boom, boom. Yeah, and all parts a bit like that as well. Yeah, and fair, so maybe so. that's what it is. Yeah. But it just feels like they you could sing their drum beat back to them. Whereas with your yeah. stuff and like a few other drummers that like, like you mentioned, like Dave Grohl, their fills you kind of like you don't sing it back. You kind of like they you make like you want to hit back. They, yeah, they make you want to headbang harder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it happens with some hip hop drummers as well. Yeah, no, yeah. Where you like, oh, that is like that grooves so well, but it's not necessarily melodic. Yeah. Um, do you come across that? I mean, I suppose drummers don't really know because they don't play with other drummers a lot. But we're stupid. No, I mean like because you're not all playing. I mean, I know you've yeah. played in a band with three drummers, but generally yeah. a dr- you have one drummer on a gig. Is that something that comes up a lot? Is that something that you've noticed with other musicians where you've played with like maybe a bassist or the same to you, Shell? You played with a bassist or someone who's super melodic but not that rhythmic, rhythmical, or you've played with a piano player who's basic on his harmony, but then his his groove is great. Um, I've How had, important is one? Or is it doesn't not matter? Isn't obviously not. It's not. It dep- I think it, it's but. important depending on the context because I've played with super melodical, 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 <laughs> super melodical pianists melodic. in melodic pianists in a like duo gig where it's just the voice and the piano and they are really really hard to navigate because you can't it's hard to like just tap in it's hard to like find a flow together Mm. because you've already got a vocal which is quite melodic anyway so then having a melodic pianist is is a bit of a nightmare Mm. so you always benefit from like a rhythmical person in those circumstances but then more basic chords and harmony but with a choppier kind of yeah yeah but then, but then you don't want it to be like too choppy, or the, or the, because then it ends up sounding a bit like preschooly. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I know what you mean, like ding, 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 yeah. ding, ding, rather than like boom. Yeah, exactly. Just playing it with one finger. Yeah, each note. But then you know, I guess it depending on what kind of band you've got. Sometimes you know, a melodic pianist is amazing um mm. but then you know you have to balance that out with then having um a choppy guitarist or you know it, yeah it's it's, it's totally yeah, contextual you get it with some guitarists like the guy in wolfpack uh not that i'm a huge wolfpack fan, fan but like um i've seen bits here and there and i think ben gladwin has showed me a few bits and he's like like because it's that funk because it, it, it's appropriate to the genre, isn't it? So he's, yeah. it, I'm sure melodically he's great and he does some really nice guitar um, sort of solos or his stuff. Name. Is he saying Wong or something like that? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But then it, generally in funk, the guitar becomes like a rhythm instrument, doesn't it? Because it's like dink, dink, mm. dink, dink, dink. And that then becomes more important to the genre of music. Mm. So is it genre specific or can you think of anyone who's like, oh, well, they're in this genre, but actually it's, it kind of goes against the grain? Yeah, I think I think it is genre 
because that uh, Volpec like to play a lot of that. I think they're trying to replicate a sound of like Motown and like those big funk records of the yeah. day, Nile Rodgers and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, they so are, yeah. yeah, in funk music and that's Nile Rodgers is a great rhythm guitarist. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, I don't know. Has he ever done a solo? Probably. He's not famous for him, is he? <laughs> but, he has, but it just goes wink, wink, and yeah. ding, ding, ding. But in <laughs> that music, <laughs> the things that drive it are more the bass and. You listen to like loads of those tunes, Nile Roger tunes, like yeah, everybody dance that tune, for example. Mm. The big thing in that tune is like the vocals and that that bass part, yeah, and yeah. like you know, like there's that's all just the bass in that. Tune. You don't want to get in the way of it. No, of course, yeah. I think if you like, there probably is crossover somewhere, but then that probably starts taking you out the genre. I think the thing that defines the genre are those like key parts mm -hmm. so if you start getting somebody crossing over and moving away from that so say if Wolfpack started putting a big melodic guitar thing over the top then it probably wouldn't be that it probably wouldn't be classed as let's say I, I don't listen to them that much but let's say they're classed as like funk it probably wouldn't get just classed as funk anymore it'd be like funk electronic or funk alternative do you know what I mean like yeah, it yeah. would then because it's those things that define the genre not uh mm the the people who define the genre going back yeah. to what you said before about like noticing other players yeah i don't really ever f i don't think i've ever thought i don't know there's just some people i gel better with yeah and there's some people isn't yeah of course. i don't think i've ever just sat there and thought why did i not get on with that person it's just mm. i just i think if it ever has happened i've just kind of said to myself well you know it wouldn't be the end of the world if i never played with them again yeah but <laughs> you know so yeah. but then someone like Ben, ben Gladwin, for example. Yeah. I always have fun playing with, playing with Ben. With ben. Yeah, course, and I yeah. always feel like he makes me play a bit better as well. And that's right. what I like. That, that, that for me is a good person to play with. Someone that makes you feel better about your own playing. Mm. But then also you're well, kind yeah. of having this good like thing of like, I'm You're really like each other up. Yeah, it's kind of like you know, and we un and it's kind of understanding as well. Mm. That's the, for me. That's the best. That's what I like about playing with people the most. Is kind of like it's a weird sort of. Um, it's it's weird. It's like you can. S it's like you can see how beautiful someone really is. <laughs> with, like, actually, I haven't out saying anything. Well, it's it's a weird it's feeling. It's spoken right? thing as well. I like it when you all look at each other and you're like, we all know what we're about to do, but we don't know how or why we're yeah. going to do it. And it just you just do it. Which when doesn't it does happen, happen enough. though, isn't that such a, like, it's, and how... It's amazing. What yeah. are the odds? Like, that everyone was just, like, going to get, that was going to be a thing. Yeah. And that's what's so cool about it. It is amazing. Right? Yeah. Uh, you get, the, I, I also find that you get a lot of players who perhaps some of the best players that you've ever played with or that you could maybe think of playing with if you've not played with them yet, but they might not be best for you because you might be nervous to do, try anything exciting mm. because they're so good yeah, or, or maybe they take over because they're so good. So it's not necessarily the best technical players are the ones that you most, in, that you most mm. enjoy playing with. It can be just the ones who just have that little something, that je ne sais quoi. Just a bit yeah. of confidence. Because I think uh, Pi and Kez uh, had this gig the other night, they were telling me about it, like where they were playing with this fiddle player for the first time. Yeah. And you never know. They've never met the guy. Yeah. They just found him and said he could do the job. And... And and he turned up on his moped and yeah. right, and just got there and, he's, he and he and he smashed it. But yeah. that's what I mean. I think 
you know, some people have a bit of an air of confidence about them. Yeah. Which is like you're saying, if you if you are depping for a gig and you're a bit nervous about it, yeah. you will limit yourself because you don't want to like yeah. fuck about. But I mean, there is a thing. But, though, if you are that good, maybe sometimes knowing to limit yourself because yeah. and I can think of a particular person who I'm not going to name on the podcast, no, but I know someone as well. Where it was yeah, like, we all do. they're amazing. I don't never want to play with them ever again. They're amazing. But that was so fucking, that was, a, that was torture. Yeah, but it's that like, um, going back to what we, you were saying before, where you all just know what to do at a particular time and like how amazing that is. It get, that goes, it goes back to that like Victor Wooten thing of like music is language that you get, I think if you get, I think you get people who speak your musical language yeah, yeah. and like they may not necessarily speak your your actual language but for some reason it just gels whenever you make music yeah. but then there's some people who that doesn't happen with and so those guys who are like playing let's just say playing an awful lot like yeah they <laughs> don't gel with you particularly or with me but they might in, in, put them in a different context in a different band with different people yeah. and they'll probably experience that same thing of everybody knowing exactly what's going on and knowing what's going to come next yeah. without anyone having to say anything. Is it like, is it, I mean, this might be a little bit simplistic, but is it a, is it a case of finding the people who are parts of the, the same puzzle, but different, different parts of the same puzzle that you're trying to find? So if you're trying to do like the perfect band, right? You need the perfect band. You need someone who's kind of rhythmical. You need someone who's a bit of a show off. You need someone solid. You need someone, uh, I don't know who empties it or whatever the, whatever the parts are that you need mm. um, is it that you gel with these people who then eventually make up like a whole or is it that you gel with the people who um, do the, the same thing that you do or is it it's probably just not that simplistic right? I think it's a bit of both yeah, yeah. You probably gel with someone because you see them and you go ah oh, the way that they play chimes with me and then when they get in a room it's like it's easier it's easier to it's easier to discuss ideas because they get it and they play like that. Yeah. But I think the the actual gelling together just comes with with playing together and yeah. understanding how each other speaks. Yeah, because I say that I say that sometimes I say that because sometimes when you watch some of these sort of uh, muso type bands that are absolutely insane at their instruments and they play the most complicated music and it's the coolest thing and oh look how good they all are. Uh, but then sometimes you get there and you're just like, okay, well, the drummer's doing the most that he can do. The bassist is doing the most that he can do. The guitarist is doing the most that he can do. And the keyboard player is doing the most. And it's all just a bit like, ah, oh, what the fuck is... Mm. I'm not enjoying this. But then maybe if you've got like a floaty singer who's all airy and like everything is, I don't know, high-pitched, say. Then you get a bassist who's really solid, kind of quite rhythmic, like quite just, you know, uh, yeah. uh, steady. Um, and then a drummer who's super, super solid. Then the guitarist uh, has like a maybe, maybe is in between the two. Mm. And then a keyboard player who has like plays lots of like nice big chords. And then it could all gel together to be like, okay, we've made one. We've got all these different parts, and it's amounted to perfect band. Does that make sense? Mm. But then, how often does that happen? Uh, it doesn't, does it? it no, it's probably not a. Well, when it does, though, that's why it's good. Yeah. Or yeah. when it gets close. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe there is a perfect formula for a band and no one's just 
no one's quite got it just yet. But even for bands, or though, ever will. you still got to like, even before you even play music, like there's so much outside of it as well, of like whether you'd like a person or not. I mean, sometimes yeah. you could play with someone you hate, but if they're that good, but generally... I've had that with you sometimes. Yeah. Where it's like, oh... I hate him. Like, I don't know. We've had like a nightmare for sorting logistics. And it's like, oh, this has been a fucking... There's a bad energy in the room because everyone's a bit moody because it was logistically a nightmare. And then as soon as you play, I'm like, all right, that's fine then. <laughs> <laughs> well, fuck you, George. <laughs> but then, yeah, I know what you mean. I have it with people. I had it with an old bassist that I played with that I thought he was a total... I thought he was just genuinely a bad person. But then when you played bass, I was like, oh, this is cool. I like yeah. it. <laughs> then you have people who are your best mates and then they play and you're like, yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll touch that. Um, shall we move on? Yeah. yeah go on. Do you do out by Oasis? Why don't you just go on the S? Is there any chance you can sound more Let's like you What's your plan B? Plan B. Plan B. Oh. You don't know the door. Why don't you just go on the S? What's Jack going to do when he's finished with the drums? So this week, it is not what's Jack going to do when he's finished with the drums. It is what is George going to do when he's finished with the drums. Oh. It is... Jamil just a name because <laughs> we haven't changed it at all but it is annoyances quirks uh, little tidbits of information that you might not know unless you work in that uh, field anyone got anything this I've week I've got a few oh shit oh go on then there we go I've got like I've been building them up this week buckle up <laughs> listeners <laughs> so I've got I've, t- I've got kind of got two but I've got three so um First one is if whoever listens. If you listened to the podcast last week and noticed that there was a slight tinniness on my mic, did you fix that in the end or? Uh, um, yeah. They might be listening to this one and they have the same issue. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm starting to come around to the fact that it might just be your voice. You just sound like you're coming out of a radio. Fuck I you. don't really understand what's going on. Well, anyway, we we started to, so we started doing a gig the other day, and Alex has got his mic, and I've got my mic meant to be the same mics right mm. and alex is just sounding really fucking tinny and mine sound really warm and nice we're like the fuck and then we were trying to change them the the change the channels change the leads change everything still doing it we were like right it's the mic and i'll tell you why it's the mic <laughs> and this is not something that's that's cool is it and i know you get this in every like place but it's just when it happens musically it's really annoying um so when so I we got our gear stolen. We've had our gear stolen twice out of the back of a car. Mm. But the second time we got it stolen, we got our mic stolen. So when I got back, I ordered a new mic. And I wasn't rich at the time, so I was like, I'm gonna go on eBay. I'm not gonna pay out for a new one. I'm gonna go and get one on eBay. Got one on eBay. It was like ninety quid. The original mic's like 130. So I was like, mm, yeah, this seems like a bit too good to be true. But we'll you know we'll go with it. Turns up, get the mic. And I was like, you know, checking it all over. It sounded great, looked great, felt heavy. It was like, okay, this seems legit. And then I was like, I'm just, and I could have just left it there and I could have been living in sweet bliss, but I didn't allow myself to do that. No. I was like, I'm just going to check the difference between a fake and a fake Sennheiser and a real one. Went on, found a YouTube video, and like there were these tiny, tiny little fucking things that were all on my mic that were like, it's uh. fake. And I was like, oh, some bastard sold me a fake mic. So then I then had to go and buy a new mic. So despite me trying to, well, actually, to be fair, I got all of my money back and, get, and got to keep the fake mic. Nice. So that wasn't bad. 
and then I got a new mic and now it's really funny because when we play with the exact same mic, Alex sounds like he's coming through a radio and mine sounds amazing. So you used a fake mic then? He I does, use a fake yeah. mic, yeah. It does. Back in vocals, isn't it? No? But it was funny because when we first start, when we first used the mic and switched it on, I was like, you know what? Even if it is fake, it sounds fucking great, so I kind of mm. don't care. But now you've heard it. Completely. Now we're a year down the line, and I'm yeah. like, oh, little bastards. Who's going around making fake Sennheiser mics? What I know. Nice. What a it's niche so thing. Niche. I know. Well, the thing is, when, when, I, when I tried to get back in touch with the guy, he just didn't get back in touch with me, and then I reported the three bay, and he was like, yeah, sort of, don't worry. Just give me my money back. So I think maybe he was like, he was on the reg with this kind of stuff, you know? This guy, maybe he was like, known in the in the youtube in the ebay, eBay ether. world yeah so that's my first one Making it's just like shit. well first of who all knew getting that your stuff nicked out the back of the car but yeah that's something that happens and it happening again that happens to so many people that we know they want to know it's broken into yeah it never happens to me and it's I'm always, always musical i'm stuff. always going about in fucking vans and stuff you think they're hot spot for Burglaries, yeah, but yours haven't yeah. got windows in the back. I've True, seen always cars. It's, it's no, though. people's vans on tour. Be like, we're in Amsterdam. You see it on Facebook all the time. Uh, we're in Amsterdam, van broken into, all equipment for the tour missing. Fuck. And you're like, ugh. And it happens. You, you see it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. What are people doing? So that's, yeah, that's an annoying one. That, you know, also, just who knew you could get fake mics? That's funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the last one was, so we were playing a gig the other night and it occurred to me that because obviously when you're playing these gigs now, you're playing them. So, uh, you know, the, the the standard weekend cover gigs I'm on about, not the, the actual gigs. Uh, it, it occurred to me that when you play those gigs, nine times out of ten, you switch off and you start a song. And then three minutes later, you're singing the last chorus and you're like, shit, is this the first chorus or is the last chorus or is the thit? Well, I've completely zoned out here. Yeah. So... You don't know for a lot of these gigs, and whilst you're doing that, you're watch- if you get like a particular type of audience in who stay from the start to the finish of the gig, like a three-hour-long gig, you watch people, like because I people watch big time in these gigs because I'm so bored, nosy, yeah, and you literally watch someone. And when do you ever get to do this? You just sit there and watch someone go from sober to drunk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's true. And it's it really is like, it's so mad because you would, I mean, maybe bartenders see it sometimes, but bartenders have never really got the time to actually nah. just sit there and watch. Yeah, I feel like a, a, having worked in a bar, I feel like you see them, you serve them, they're sober, then you serve them again, they're a little bit tipsy, then you serve them again when they're pissed. Yeah. Whereas with what you're talking about is that they're stood in front of you yeah. for three hours. Yeah. I'm dancing and I'm actively watching you just, I'm watching that transformation take place and I'm watching the person you become. And it was so funny because at the beginning of the night, like we had like lovely people around, you know, obviously where you think this is going to go is, and at the end of the night they were all tits, but it, it wasn't just that. It was like at the beginning of the night, all these like really nice people, some woman came over and like tipped us and they were just really nice. One of them you could oh, see yeah, was like nice. a rugby team and another like just group of girls. No, they weren't, they weren't rugby team. They were rugby fans because the Rugby World Cup's been on. They were like uh, okay. a bunch of New Zealand fans weren't uh, they okay. all wearing uh, uh, and then, tops. And honestly, by the end of the night, by the last set, it was so funny because it literally just looked like there was a floor full of toddlers and it was weird watching the relationships between people and how like like there was one guy who who if you see if you saw him in like a nursery room he was the guy who was like trying to show off and then when he showed off and everyone laughed he was like dead proud of himself and he'd yeah. stand there being like oh, i'm gonna do that again because everyone really yeah. laughed at it he's like jumping up trying to hit the fire alarm because he's yeah. like quite tall so he's like and i bet like, you can hit i bet you can hit that fire alarm and he would just jump and touch it 
Like it wasn't like he was trying to smack it off the wall and be anything like. And like the more he got egged on, the more he would do it. It was like, oh, it's just like watching a toddler. And then the like the girls were getting gradually a bit more bitchier through through the night. Like one of them fell out with the other one, and and yeah. it was all just proper like, oh wow, we actually descend into children when when we're yeah. pissed. We lose like all kind of, you know, uh, adult. Uh, facade because we you know we well they say you lose all your inhibitions don't you so yeah, like yeah. you lose any kind of like adult facade which compass. is like oh I'm, I'm I'm a normal human being that functions in society like that all goes out the window it's like now nah, we're back in the nursery room like <laughs> let, let's just go mental yeah I've and definitely it, lost my inhibition before mm. yeah so it was just that was weird that I was like whoa I'm watching these people do that I know it wasn't the most uh it doesn't fill you with faith in the human oh God, race. No, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, no see that. I feel like I go these days. I think I used to, I think I probably used to be that show off when I was a, like a late teens. Um, but I feel like these days I go from like sober t- to, oh, like I've had a drink. This is fun. Let's carry on drinking. Let's go somewhere else to just sad just instantly. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't have like a party. Like we're going out. Yeah, this is amazing. I'm just like hit a certain level of piss and I'm like, oh. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I don't have that. I just want to drink more, more, more. Yeah, but you're not like. I suppose in uni, everyone would be. You'd go get really pissed and then you go to a club so everyone's dancing and stuff. But these days, that doesn't really happen as much, does it? No. Like, I don't. I can't remember the last time I had a rowdy piss night out. Like, rowdy, rowdy. Like it used to be in Liverpool. Oh, mm. yeah. No? Not not yeah, so, really. like, you. But these, like, these guys were like. I mean, maybe it's because they're watching sport. Maybe they're all together or something. I don't know. But these guys were in their 30s, weren't they? Yeah. And they were rowdy at the end of the night. Fucking. Does, yeah, it, not get, does it not get old? I can't remember. Uh, yeah, it's been a while. Uh, any more for any more? Or should we move on? Uh, I can't really think of any. I'm trying to think of anything that happened recently. It's all right. I feel like Shell's got a good couple if you, if you can't think of one. Um, I can say I had a few gigs I've played recently, the weddings, and people have been very uh, well behaved, actually. Decorum. Yeah. Decorum Central. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet, let's move on. Uh, we can we can actually do the jingle. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. <laughs> Go on in. Oh, my God. Who the fuck is Peter Guy? Don't even know, la. <laughs> All right, this is Who the Fuck is Peter Guy. This is our slightly morphed musical recommendation section. It's morphing uh, into just a kind of art and culture recommendation section in recent weeks um i just want to chuck out there first because it is probably the biggest release of the recent of, of the week or recent weeks uh anyone listen to the new kanye album yet no. oh i didn't even know it was out no. yeah, there yeah. you go jesus is king i think it's called of course it is i'm um <laughs> I, I will give it a listen on my route home okay so well all right we haven't got the biggest release of the of the, of the recent weeks uh to recommend this week although Kanye West has a new album out but uh, you know it's probably something worth if you have listened to it getting in touch and letting us know what you think of it I'm not sure I can be bothered because it's just effort I mean I will give it a go but every I mean I know the album is called Jesus is King but Mm. every song bar like two has a religious word in the title it just makes me go no have you listened to it though? no oh that's what I'm saying it just makes it puts me off immediately Mm. it probably ties in with all that Sunday service stuff he's been doing that's it that's what I think it is yeah. Yeah. Um, who wants to go first who wants to, to recommend uh, I've got a recommendation go on him. go ahead I can't say the name 
Reason being is because there are accents on over 50% of the letters in the title. <laughs> okay. <laughs> on, on five out of eight of the letters, there's an accent, so I don't know how to pronounce all of those. Yeah. But looking at it, it's like Deja Revy. Okay, let's have a look. D-E-J-A-R-E-V-E. All right, yeah, it's, uh, you can't say that. Yep. <laughs> um. And I basically, if you've listened to any of my other recommendations, then you will not be surprised by this one. It came on whilst I was like in the yoga studio the other day on a playlist. And it, actually, it was the first time that I'd ever used my um, like discover daily thing on Apple, Apple Music. Mm. And it got it spot on. It was literally the first song I put on. And I was like, holy shit, well done, Apple Music. Cool. The, I think the, the, the title... It's the title track that I listened to, and it was it's really good. So sweet, George. Um, I got like three things different. Um, there was um, a. It was weird. It was like an Instagram ad, and it was um, of this rap group. I think they might be playing at jazz cafe or something like that but they're called hieroglyphics but anyway i saw the ad and i was like oh that sounds good so i just spotify it spotify them straight away yeah and um i feel like from listening to one of the rappers in the because they're like a collective yeah that he was the guy you know in that gorillas tune where it has the little rap in the middle i'm happy Oh, in Clint Eastwood. Yeah, the Clint yeah. Eastwood, yeah. Finally, someone let me out of my cage. He's definitely in this group, 100%. It's oh, got to cool. be the same guy. That's sick. So, yeah, so he's like, that's from that. Um, because of the recent passing of Ginger Baker as well, I've been, like, watching loads of videos on oh, YouTube. Okay. Ginger Baker being the cream drummer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I watched this, like, kind of weird documentary, and it was... When he went and moved to, like, Nigeria for a few years, he met, yeah. like, this guy out there who was big in, like, the popular cultural Nigerian music that was coming out at the time. Yeah. And the album's called Fella with Ginger Baker Live. And it's only about five tracks, but it's great, though. If you, yeah. like, like for a drummer, yeah. it's just rhythms everywhere. Oh, nice. But it's, it's good. I really enjoy it. And He's one of the best drummers of all time, really. Yeah, he kind of, like, invented, like, the drum solo, like, the contemporary, you know. Yeah. Well, he didn't really. I mean, jazz drummers been doing drum solos but for years. But in, like, for in that it. rock era of progress- progressive rock, he yeah. kind of did that first. Uh-huh. And another thing, I can't remember if I mentioned it before, but I went to go see penguin cafe recently yeah and uh, they just released a new album and it's they did a bit when we went uh, the show that i went seeing with yeah uh, um went see him at um the first half of the show was the new album Mm -hmm. which had not even been released i think it was released like two days after okay and they did a bit of work for greenpeace about penguins so the whole theme of the album is about penguins okay and yeah it's it's really good if you like all yeah it's just like orchestra yeah-esque music but yeah you can call your own band whatever the fuck you want can't you penguin cafe yeah but i think (laughs) it is because 
so the pianist in it now, his dad was in the original Penguin Cafe Orchestra. Right. And then, obviously, not the orchestra. They've just taken his... Because they play a lot of his dad's music okay. as well. Right. Okay. Um, his dad was obviously... I can't remember the name. It's going to annoy me. But he was quite a famous composer. Mm. And there's loads of songs that you would have heard before in films and adverts. Right. So I uh, I won't play one now, but you would definitely recognize some of their music. Okay, so cool. You've definitely heard it before. So. All right, I'll check it out. But yeah, that would be my recommendations this Wicked. week. Wicked. Um, i got a couple. I've got the soundtrack for the film The Light of My Life, which is by... Uh, the, the soundtrack is by Daniel Hart, who I've recommended on the podcast before because he's in yeah. a band called Dark Rooms. And the film is by is directed by Casey Affleck, I think. Um, and I've not even seen the film. I've I never even heard of the film, but it popped up on Daniel Hart's page. And it's beautiful. So if the film's as good as the soundtrack, then it'd be a beautiful film because it just sounds like Daniel Hart. And if you've ever checked out any recommendations from me about regarding him... I don't know how to say that sentence, but yeah, if you've ever checked Daniel Hart out off the back of me recommending it before, it sounds much like that. It's just really nice emotive violins that just make you instantly want to cry. It's mm. really nice. The second, actually, I've got two more recommendations. The second recommendation is a film that we saw the other week and that you're going to go and see this week. Yeah, on Friday, hopefully, yeah. The oh, Peanut yes. Butter Falcon. Um we recommended Thunder Road, uh, which was a film by Phil Cummings, I think, um, on this podcast because it was probably it's probably the, the best film. I've seen. Jim Cummings, sorry. It was by Jim Cummings. Um, that's probably the best film I've seen this year. Peanut Butter Falcon starring uh, Shia LaBeouf, Dakota Johnson, and Zach Gottsagan. Um, directed by Tyler Nilsson and Michael Schwartz. Also written by those guys. Uh, that is a close second, like a really, really close second good. for film of the year so far. It's in cinemas at the moment, at the time of recording, which is you know just before Halloween, twenty nineteen. Uh, but if it's you know if you can't find it because it's a bit niche, uh, you've got to get it like on Amazon or hopefully it'll come to Netflix or you know rent it from Blockbuster. Um, <laughs> it's fucking amazing. It's this little indie film about these two unlikely. You know, it's it's you know it's not it's nothing you've. It's nothing you've not heard of before. Mm. Two unlikely friends are going on a journey. Um, Zach Gottsagan is a Down syndrome actor who was found at um, a, a sort of, I don't know if it was a school or um, a community-led project, yeah. but found in like an acting for people with disabilities um, community. And he uh, he's fucking amazing. He's so good. He's amazing. Um, and Shia LaBeouf is... It's really fucking good in it. Beautiful. Uh, Dakota Johnson is great in it. <laughs> he is stunning <laughs> in this film. Uh, I can't. I honestly can't recommend it enough. Um, all right. So the final, final thing, and this is going to wrap us up. Uh, well, though, I, I was going to recommend one other thing as well, actually. Oh, go on in. Go on in. Sorry. Go on in. Do you want to? No. Okay. Go on in. So just based on, um, based on, so it's through the studio uh, that I work out with. We're doing like these events called a tune, which are running with. Uh, a guy called Hayden Thorpe who's the lead singer of Wild Beast and we're doing it with like over December and January we're doing it like with a different collection of artists so we've got a guy called Leo Abrams who was the guitarist for John Hopkins son of JJ yeah and then we've got a girl called Hinoko Omari who played with like Kate Tempest and then we have 
Joe Goddard, who was the lead singer of Hot Chip. Oh, shit, yeah. Yeah, so, and they're all doing, like, different nights, and it's throughout December, and it's in, like, a gallery space that overlooks the Thames, and it's, like, meditations and binaural sound journeys and things like that, so it's, like, a yoga class with all that stuff going on. So if that sounds interesting to you, get in touch with me, Mm. and I'll tell you how to get a ticket. Awesome, yeah, that sounds great. That's cool. So to wrap us up, final recommendation is heading to the Delia Instagram at we are Delia, go into our latest post, or if it is, you know, you listen to this in the future, um, it'll be on IGTV. It's the first thing we've ever posted on IGTV, and it is the Ooh. version of our last single prelude, uh, which is, um, sorry, I'm butchering the sentence, but basically it's yeah. the version from the short film that we recorded. So yeah. the short film is a prelude to the beginning. The song is prelude, uh, in brackets, brief life and death. And it's an alternate version. And Ben, Sketch Benjamin, Ben Gladwin filmed us sound checking. And at both, at both launch events that we did in mm-hmm. Liverpool and in London. He, f- he, uh, he filmed the ting. He filmed the ting. And then mm-hmm. I gave the ting a bit of a mix. You know, this is the, it's the actual version that's going to be in the film. It's not us playing it live, but we've just put it to that visual. And it's on our Instagram now, on IGTV. It may go up on YouTube at some point, mm-hmm. but you should go and watch that. Hopefully, it would be lovely if we're going to release the whole sort of score, the whole, you know, every alternate version for the songs on Spotify at some point. Mm. Um, But for now, you can only watch it. So get on there and watch it. And don't watch it on your shitty phone speakers. Connect your Bluetooth headphones or something. I think there's definitely a a vinyl coming for that. One side being the songs, the flip side being the the whole soundtrack. That'd be so sick. Yeah. That would be nice. That would be money. (laughs) George, it has been great starting. We're going. We should do part twos on everyone. I think to really get into it in twenty years' time. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Fucking hell, no. Do you like that? um, Richard Linklater. Is it Peter Link? Richard Linklater film. Is it um, Boyhood, where he shot it over like twelve years? Yeah. So we'll do like we'll do part two in like six years, and then we'll do part three another six years and see where we're at so this is week 40 did you say 40th episode yeah. it's not we have had breaks here and there but okay. yeah okay so uh, you know soon we're going to be reaching the 52 time and you know what that means don't you the very first podcast was just after new year and we said that we were going to check in on all of our goals so we're gonna to have to sit around and listen to that podcast i failed mine within weeks <laughs> i can let you know that now but spoiler yeah. i can't even remember what mine were so i've definitely failed mine well, i've been very mine. good recently though i have been very i wrong. reckon t's hey, gonna it's come never in too late it's never too t's late gonna come in and be like oh yeah i did them all I'll be like fuck you t no i remember t's t's was health wealth and creativity so let's see how he's done. Yeah. I have done fucking nothing on mine. I'm, mine was to learn guitar. Uh, no, spoiler alert. Anyway, yeah. we'll, we'll check back in on those. I'm going to make a real effort in the next, what is it, 12 ep- between <laughs> now and in, in, in 12 episodes time to just practice more guitar. But George has been great. Cheers. Thanks, George. Shell. Thank-, Thank you. It's been usual. Thanks. <laughs> and remember, guys, too much sauce ruins the fries. <laughs> <laughs>